Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach. Did you hear me roll my R there? That was talent. Spanish. I learned that in Spanish. That's why he's the talent. That's why they call me the talent. What do they call you, Sky? Board up. They call me the sexy board up. <laughs> Ooh. You know what? They lie. <laughs> oh, that was critical. Don't mean to be critical. Today's show, we're going to lose the inner critic. Do you guys have inner critics? Oh, yeah. What is what is the name of your inner critic? <laughs> the name of my inner critic? Uh, Kevin. Mark? I feel like that's the Kevin. go-to name for anything. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, there's some guy out there named Kevin like, oh, great. I don't even, <laughs> great. Now my name's just <laughs> the inner critic. No, I think it's me. I think that's why it's your inner critic. See, you. It's just your alter ego. It's just... Now it would be the thoughts that yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I'm what not is your having auditory hallucinations? No, you're you're not really. T- there's not. You're not hearing things. <laughs> no. Okay. It's just your because I actually hear things. Oh, you might want to get that looked. My into. inner critic always says it's. It actually communicates. It says stuff to me. Most <laughs> most common hallucination associated with schizophrenia is auditory hallucinations. So just saying. Wow. Yeah. Are you diagnosing us here? Uh. uh yes, I am. <laughs> That is what I'm doing. That's sad. I mean, but, you know, because I've had this voice with me a long time. And it's always like, you can do it. Psych. <laughs> and then I strike out. Does it sound like your normal talking voice or is it completely different? No, it's it's different. It's, it's a weird it's Irish a hybrid. It's an is. Irish hybrid that I <laughs> drop into every once in a while. Oh, it's that voice that comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Did you know what? And we just got to do this. Um how are we going to find – okay. We're going to have a special – we're going to have a special surprise thing. <laughs> and, and by that means Matt is requesting that the rest of his crew do some special thing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm getting nervous. I've got see. something. I, I, so on television, I do this little television thing every – Are you week. wanting us to play the video that you recorded of yourself doing accents? Yes. It's on there. You, you know where to, to find do? it? Go maybe, find it. Maybe I can find it Here's what happened. Somebody said, love Matt. They just wrote into the show. Love Matt. He's my favorite part of the show. Studio 5, it's called. He's so cute and cuddly. And I'm like, thanks, Mom. And um, No, but this person then said, I love his Utah accent. Can you find out where he's from in Utah? Okay. So do you guys sense I have an accent? Not really. No. Seems pretty neutral to me. Seemed neutral to me. But apparently I have an accent. So they just wanted me to just respond to the question about the accent. And it's the darndest thing. When I responded, I taped just a quick little video. Mm-hmm. But it's the darndest thing. I did end up having an accent. Really? Was it, it a Utah accent? Uh, no, it, it was <laughs> it was all of the accents. It was all actually. of them. Yeah, it was weird <laughs> because I I don't know. I, so here's so this is part of the show today because sometimes people give you a, like they'll, they'll critique you, right? Yeah, and they're doing it. I, they, she wasn't even critiquing. She was just stating the obvious <laughs> that I, apparently I have an accent which I really don't have. And so what I'd like to do is just play it 
for all of you. And as Matt Townsend's crew, we would like to apologize ahead of time. Yes. And for anybody... <laughs> we, we've been coerced to do this live on air. And here's the deal. <laughs> That's all. But if you, if you see, if you hear an accent or if you want to make a comment, give us a call. one 855 chat byu one 855 Tell me if when you hear me, this is just me trying to explain where I grew up in Salt Lake City. See if you hear an accent. Good morning to you, Brooke. Such a fun thing, this question about me accent. Quite honestly, I don't know where it came from. Born and bred here on the east side of Salt Lake City. In fact, I don't even notice I have an accent. It's such a fun thing, though, isn't it? I don't know what it is. Perhaps it has something to do with the telly. Mm. I might believe that the telly adds about 10 pounds of weight, so maybe it adds about 15 pounds of accent. Not quite sure. Born and bred, Salt Lake City. Highland High School is where I went to school. Went to the University of Utah, and of course, Brigham Young did both of them. Don't know where the accent came from. Actually never stepped a foot on wee little Britain. Anyway, good luck. I hope this answers your question. God bless, and God save the queen. There you have it. Do you guys even hear an accent in there? I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, to me, it's like... Sounds normal to me. Sounds East Side Salt Lake to me. How about you, Iowa boy? Skyboy? It sounded a little different to me. I don't know if I'm the only one who heard it, but really, like, yeah. Wait, wait, it was it was iPhone audio. That's what it was. Well, that was it. <laughs> it was yeah, audio. you're used to this. Hello, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, no, it was from my iPhone. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's what that, that is. That what was different? That must but have been what was different. Yeah. So do you you, you don't hear an accent? Either. I didn't hear anything. See, any accent? I guess. So there's a great example of people like critiquing you when they're just messed up and they don't actually. <laughs> there's nothing really to it, right? Sure. Yeah. Did you want was more this, validation? Was this your way of trying to bring that into today's topic? Or Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. I just... It wasn't an attempt. It was just, he it just was, did it. To me, it was, I guess, I guess they just were trying to... I took it as a criticism. Oh. Uh, did but, it hurt your feelings? Maybe. <laughs> no. I just don't. You also do that grandpa voice sometimes. That's not grandpa. It sounds kind of like sad a sad person. Well, your sad person, your grandpa voice is kind of the same thing. Well, There's great. Synonymous. Oh, great. <laughs> so what am I going to do when I am a grandpa and I'm not sad? I don't Tell me. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? See, I can't do anything right with you, Skyboy. <laughs> See, right here, I'm starting to self-talk. Negative. Like, you can't do anything right. Sky, just blah. <sighs> it's like I spilled my... My smoothie all over me on the way to work. <laughs> Look at that. Man. Did you say you spilled the smoothie all over me? No. It sounded like you That were... was our intro. I did an intro <laughs> where I actually said those words. You you probably weren't listening. But anyway, it's part of the show. So, criticism. I guess it's good. Criticism? Yeah. Yeah, it can be really useful sometimes. Like the more famous Sky's getting... The more criticism he should be getting, he doesn't. It's true. It's valuable for him. He should listen to it more often. He should. No, and I mean, some people like build their whole careers around the facts that they can criticize. Like, that's crazy. What makes you a good critic? A good critic? Yeah, you're okay. Let's talk. Do you want like an honest answer? Yeah, like a good critic. Like Roger Ebert was a critic. He was, he's my favorite critic. He was the guru of critic. He is the man. He got a Pulitzer Prize for it. So that's pretty cool. Did he really? Mm hmm. Are you kidding? Yeah, in 1975, he was the first film critic to ever. Well, only, why? What I did believe. he write that was so amazing? He writes lots of amazing things. Okay. So, the the deal with him and why he's a good critic is that he could look at a film and he loved them. I think that's kind of the main thing. He loved what he was. He was like a baby. 
Yeah. No matter what, you love the baby, even if it's ugly. Kind of. So what so, you mean? No, but he like he loved the film medium, and when he loved a f- film, he would tell tell you from the mountaintops. He'd scream it out. Really? Yeah. He'd say, "This is amazing." But what if it was a junker? Then he would also tell that from the mountaintops. But like he'd a, be mad because he, they're violating the contract of movie making. The contract. That's an interesting contract. I better learn about that. Yeah, I just one made of my it classes up. here. No, so he would say things that are pretty profound in how nice it was. Really? Here's one. Okay. Um, it's from. So is this is this how we should critique people? Yeah. Well, okay. see, see, I think you should say good things. Okay, Sky, you should are you say listening? Them concisely and well. Okay. And you should. If you have something bad to say, just get it over with. Well, and don't use names. Be entertaining. Don't name call. Possible. Yeah, that's... And don't bring someone's mother into it. That's usually a bad idea. That's just the point. Yeah. So here's um, here's a great sentence from his review of Steven Spielberg's movie Minority Report. Okay, it's wow. It's a good movie. Yeah. He said, um, this film is such a virtuoso high wire act, daring so much and achieving it with such grace and skill. Minority Report reminds us why we go to movies in the first place. Mm. That was a lot of words. Like, why didn't you just <laughs> say, great? Yes, many words. Yeah. Many words. <laughs> many, many words. Well, maybe that's part of being a critic. You can't just say it's great. No. You think, I think you need to provide some How evidence. about this one? That was stupid. That you was see, a that stupid work. movie. That's what people no. do. See, they just yeah, throw out but you that have word. to like say why no. it was. Otherwise, I'm just going to say, well, you're stupid. Justify your statements. Yeah. It's Minority called providing Report evidence. There's a cornucopia of <laughs> goodness. And non-stupidity. That was vague. That's still vague. Yeah, you're basically not doing well. See, I don't usually write my critique. I usually wait till I just talk to Sky, <laughs> and then I unleash. We've noticed. You're like you're dumb, and then <laughs> and your mother dresses you funny. Yeah. Anyway. So here's another really good. He says okay. um, this one was a, a film from last year called Beasts of the Southern Wild. Ooh. Yeah. He says, sometimes miraculous films come into being made by people you've never heard of, starring unknown faces, and blindsiding you with creative genius. Beast of the Southern Wild is one of the year's best films. Wow. Yeah. That was So imagine, like, good... I'm just imagining that director, see, like, sitting in his living room reading that. That's just props. He's, no, just, given a, he's just given props. It's positive criticism. Okay. There you yeah. go. But Roger Ebert's more famously known for his negative criticism. Okay. Let's he... hear this. Or can I'm be say very his, pointed. His accurate. His accurately uh, negative. Did he? Okay. <laughs> get, so what's a, what's one he just ripped up? Uh, there are many. Uh, <laughs> I was having a lot of fun going through these. Today. That's a statement about the uh, uh, you know the current state of the movie industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No more so yeah. than you know how totally. bad these films were. Yeah. But still. Okay. Ready? Here's one for the film Valentine's Day. Mm. He says Valentine's Day is being marketed as a date movie. I think it's more of a first date movie. If your date likes it, do not date that person again. <laughs> See, that's pretty good. That's right? a really yeah. gentle put down. That's mm-hmm. good. I mean, direct but gentle. Here's here's a review for one of the Transformers films. Oh, I don't know which oh, one, but I feel like they're all the same. I bet so it was the okay. one that was really loud. Yeah, okay, it was ready? a loud one. He says, if you want to save yourself the ticket price, go into the kitchen, cue up a male choir singing the music of the underworld, and get a kid to start banging pots and pans together. Then close your eyes and use your imagination. Yeah. I bet yeah. that costs millions of dollars when he disses something like that. <laughs> I'm sure think? it does. I don't know. No. People still my, went and they're my, still making them. So I don't know. I think Michael Bay just giggles at the top of his <laughs> mountains of money. So yeah. Jeez. thanks, Hollywood. So criticism good in the movie world. 
Yeah. It's Positive valuable. and negative, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, because see, the thing is, you need to know what good things you're doing so that you can keep doing the good things. And yeah. you need to know what bad things you're doing so you can stop doing the bad things. Yeah. So it's so, so then what's the problem? With having it. See, I think the problem comes in the fact that people don't know how to criticize well. And that goes with the way we criticize ourselves yeah. as well. So we'll kind of criticize without being gentle. Like, I don't know. We always yeah. talk about like the. You have to compliment. You have to compliment sandwich. You have to compliment, then criticize and compliment. I don't trust that. We don't do that to each other. Like in our heads, Uh we just go straight for the meat. We also go personal, right? Yeah. So he doesn't seem to go personal. He's not taking it out on a human. No, he's not saying it. No, it's about the film itself. It's not saying that. Like Sky always goes personal. You know. He does. I've been meaning to talk to him about that. Yeah. Well, I've been telling you to talk to it. Bring it on right now. What's going on? See. It's just it's just a gentle criticism, but then it gets worse when you take it. Then then because like I've seen you get so sad that you just go right under the the, um, the uh, board here and just cry. I've seen that, <laughs> and then we're not here to make you cry, Sky. That's where I take naps. That's not oh. crying. I have a little like setup down there. Oh, you weren't like, even crying. You were just <laughs> napping. Yeah, like that George oh. Costanza. Where he's well, got his little, yeah, yeah. I've got one of those. Maybe going. our executive producer needs to talk to you about that after the show. All right. She's got Probably some so. positive criticism to give you. <laughs> then you'll get sad. Hey, how'd you do on your test? Let's talk about that for a minute. I actually did very well compared to the rest of the Ooh. class. And Did you really? Yeah, I didn't think I was going to do for so For cheating well. and cramming. For cheating and cramming, <laughs> I did pretty well. That's pretty good. <laughs> then did our help? Did we help? Because we talked a lot about studying and... Yeah. No, it was... Lot. Yeah, it was all you, Matt. Well, not I, me. It's the show. It's the award-winning show. show. It's the award-winning show. It's the Ubi award-winning show. It's, yeah. It's all of us. So thank you, everybody. Well, thank <laughs> you Skyboy for the positive for feedback. helping me. You're welcome. Okay, we took the mic right from <laughs> Okay, well, there goes the professionalism. All right, criticism. So uh, we're on it today. The whole show about criticism. So I guess, let's just get this straight. We're going to teach people how to be more critical of each other. No. <laughs> We're going to teach people how to be less critical of each other. Not really. Kind of. It's We're hard going for like, Matt to sometimes figure out what our topic true. is. Until... He doesn't use <laughs> So all no. over the place. We're going right inside people's heads and trying to get the them worst critic. to going inside stop talking. Their heads. Yeah. The You're worst your critic. critic. You are you your, own worst, your critic. own worst critic. That's right. Yeah. Remember yesterday, you Sky, you were freaking out because you were sure you were going to fail it. Out? You said, I'm going to fail this. I know I am. <laughs> That's You're your worst inner critic. That's what we're talking about today, folks, right here on the Matt Townsend Show, helping you conquer the inner critic. Let's blow that messed up mind of yours up. You're not all bad. You're all good. In fact, we're going to come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Matt Townsend Show. Man, if we had video, you would have just seen Skyboy doing a jig. You would not believe. That guy was rocking it. You would have heard Matt making noises that you didn't think humans could make. Cult. You would have seen me just... Just sitting there wondering when we were going to get this thing going. <laughs> me just thinking, am I the only professional? Did you see him dancing? Uh, no. I was too ashamed. I know. Yeah, it's one of those things you have to look away. You're like, oh man, is that happening? And then it's like, look away, 
Look it's, away. It's like watching a killer whale eat its trainer. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, oh. whoa, let the trainer go. <laughs> uh. But no, it's not. It's Sky Boy dancing. <laughs> We're just giving you some good criticism. We're talking critical uh, thinking – not critical thinking. We're talking about your inner critic. Okay, People are kind of negative with themselves. And our own Bryce LeVon Tobin has decided that uh, a lot of this might have to do with some of the language we're using. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. You know what's cool? Hyperbole. Oh, wait, I didn't say that the right way. I mean, it's the coolest thing in the world. Seriously, though, the coolest thing in the world? That's what we're going with? So if you haven't noticed yet, my generation likes to go linguistically extreme. We lack any reasonable or understandable scale in the way we talk about things. And I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but it can't be any good for us. Maybe it's just the world we live in. To get any attention, something needs to be extreme. Remember marketing in the late 90s? Good ideas seem to be scarce, so instead of actually coming up with something, Marketers would just use the word extreme. Instead of something just being a bike, it was an extreme Extreme bike. See what I mean? Initially catchy, but the idea wears itself out pretty quick. And this idea to push everything to the limit has trickled down to the everyday person. Let's say you got into a fender bender and had to show up in court. You don't say the other person was probably a few fractions of a second late when applying their brakes and then bumped into your bumper. You say that they completely disregarded the existence of their brake pedal and demolished the entire back half of your vehicle. And then we all know how that story plays out. There's just too much reinforcement for extreme language. It's hard not to start picking it up. Or maybe it's the weasel words we're constantly exposed to. Every crockpot is the best crockpot since the last crockpot. And advertisers are allowed to get away with using the word best because they don't specify what combination of attributes designate it as the best. Then we buy it and we realize it's anything but the best. I mean, it was a $15 crockpot. I'm not sure what I was expecting. But since the precedent has been set that it's cool to just say whatever you want and ignore the consequences, no wonder we pick it up because I don't see the downside to that. Well, the problem occurs when we talk about ourselves or when we talk to ourselves and this language carries over. We'll say that we're the worst friend or that we always give in to any chocolate we see or that we never seem to be able to connect with people. Talking like this isn't helpful because it's hopeless feedback. We need to be honest with ourselves, but that goes both ways. You aren't the worst friend. You're probably just not doing everything you could be doing. You don't always eat every piece of chocolate you see. You just have a hard time resisting available chocolate. You probably connect with people all the time, but you just have a hard time with the relationship that are important to you. Can you see the difference in phrasing? One is condemning. The other points out the problem but leaves room for change. So if anything, what I'm saying is don't be so hard on yourself. It's the single dumbest thing you could ever do. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. That, I think, was the single best thing that's ever, ever been broadcast. That you have ever given in the history of all mankind. You're welcome. Wow. Hey, um, weasel words. Yeah. You don't like it when we like say everybody with a brain knows <laughs> well, no, not no. to do this. No, it's got to be it's got to be ambiguous in that when you're advertising something it has to be the greatest product. <laughs> the greatest Okay, what? Why? Where? Well, could we get more specific? Yeah. Nope. Hype, hyperbole. What's wrong with it? Well, if you want to make a point, it's pretty good. I mean, hype. We we hype a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. See, that's the problem. Because then sometimes we believe the hype, right? So then I think I've got to be. We always hear people say, "I'm not." I mean, I know I'm not perfect. 
Yeah, you're not even close. <laughs> it's actually very far from it. You're not even you're super in the flawed. ballpark. You're, you're actually closer to being just straight up flawed yeah. than perfect. Yeah, we don't want to all just accept we're flawed, except then there's some that just, okay, I'm. you're right, I'm flawed, I knew it, I know I'm an idiot, and then they go that route. See, so it doesn't matter. You're going to go one way or another. You're going to be way flawed by being cooler than everyone else and believing it, or you're going to be flawed by being a mess and knowing you're a big uh, Loser weasel. face. Yeah. We- weasel words. I don't know. Words are hard. Well, it just comes down to like the language that we use, like... I, I just when, when you say you're the worst at this, yeah. I mean, you, to some degree or another, everyone believes themselves. The no, you have to emphasize the the worst, which you know you're the worst, meaning you are singularly at, the worst at the pile of worst things. Mm-hmm. There's you at the very top, or the best, which means everyone else. One of the best. What would that mean? That's you're in a the top. Word. You're in the top. You're like does that? You're just like on the top half, like out of out of a million people. You're one of them. Yeah, five hundred thousand and one is still far from good. That's a good point. Um, for example, Sky always says, "Matt, you are the best Deer Hunter 2014 player I've ever seen." Uh, did you hear a ding? Oh. I didn't hear a ding. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There, oh, it, there is. it is. Um, oh, sorry. Did I interrupt your game? The fader was down. Because yeah. sometimes I put the faders down over here so we don't uh, accidentally bump something during yeah. your show and interrupt you because you always get upset when we interrupt you. <laughs> and so I pushed the button, but the fader was down. You are the most considerate. <laughs> Board up. Yeah, that was too squishy. Too much? I'm sorry. I can't, I can't be squishy and sincere. Sorry. No, you can't pull that off. Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm not very good at being squishy and sincere. You are the worst squishy, sincere person I've ever met. Well, I'm going to go cry in the corner now. Did you hear that? You can go under my desk if you want. That's safe down there. Matt can see you. Nap time. Okay. Are you really very critical of yourself for real? I am critical of myself when it comes to cooking and driving. Wow. Okay? Other things I can kind of get away with it. Cooking, if I screw something up cooking, I feel like an idiot all week. Why? I don't know. It's kind of silly. You just throw it away. I still ate it. Oh, yeah. you'll eat it. No, I still eat it, so it's not like... Well, that's weird. I don't know. Are you critical of yourself? Uh, when I was younger, when I'd play sports, especially basketball, I was super critical of myself. Well, but now I'm kind of... Well, you fall down a lot, <laughs> right? I mean, that's how you so hurt your knee so many ear times. thing that he has. Yeah. Well, it's hard to play ball with a bad inner ear. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're always like falling. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. So what did you say to yourself? Hey, pal. This is what you should have said. Hey, pal. It's just your ear. <laughs> Just a bad, you just got a bad inner ear drum thing. Yeah. I didn't know about it then, so I didn't say that. You didn't? No. Well. I didn't have you you to help me. Well, I thought everybody knew that you had that problem, the way they talked about you and stuff. Because um, your dad said that everyone used to talk That was one of those about. things they tried to like not tell me when I was younger because they didn't want to make me feel like okay. I wasn't a normal right. kid. What What did you think was happening when you were on the ground all the time? Um, I thought people were tripping me and fouling me. Really? Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. How but, about when you were just like, I don't know, le- coming from the bathroom by yourself? See, everyone thought you were flopping while you were playing. Well, it, they set it up so that like my, my parents paid off the kids in the school so that they would fall ah, wow. down a lot also. So I thought it was normal back oh, then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your parents must be rich. <laughs> 
Well, that's one way. Not to, anymore, they're not. See, now it, was, it was a small school. So that's how you were raised without any criticism about your inner ear problem. And yeah. that's, you know, five knees later, <laughs> you're back. Well, yeah. Well, that teaches us a lot. Um, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to actually take on this inner critic. For some reason, as humans, we've all got this inner voice, this critic inside of us that's kind of pulling us down. You know, in Sky's case, it, you know, t- it took him out of the NBA. The guy was skyrocketing oh, what could have been? to the NBA. <laughs> and uh, five knee Speaking injuries of which, later. starts today, regular season. Today's the day. Yep. Yep. Today's the day the Spurs start losing. Spurs, Spurs play tomorrow and Man, Friday. It's going to be exciting. That's Thanks where the inner critic that. kicks in. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back with Dr. Lisa Firestone. She's going to help us con- conquer that inner critic. Blow it up, hopefully, once and for all. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. This just in. This just in. Buffalo alert. Buffalo alert. Um, Skyboy just had me take care of some business on his hunt. I don't think you solved the problem. On Deer Hunter 2014, I took out some buffalo. Uh, Your problem can't be fixed, my friend. It's really frustrating. I bet it is. Your buffalo moves slow. My buffalo moves like the wind. Harder shot. There's just not enough buffalo to shoot to complete the level. Once again, we are playing an app. No real buffalo were shot in this little sketch. Um, we're going to go to the real purpose of the show today, conquering the inner critic. Have you ever just felt, you know, like you're not good enough? You tell your story long enough. You're, you're dumb. You don't get it. You're not perfect or whatever. All of those lines I've used just this morning. Uh, So we've asked Dr. Lisa Firestone to join us. She received her doctorate from California School of Professional Psychology in 1991. She practices clinical psychology in Los Angeles and Santa Barbara, California. She works as the director of research and education at the Glendon Association and is the senior editor at psychalive.org. She's also the author of Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. And you can find out uh, more information about her at drlisafirestone.com, drlisafirestone.com. Dr. Firestone, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Matt. It's really good to have you. This um, this inner critic, we, we all seem to have one. Is, is this, is the, is the critical inner voice, is, does everyone have it? Is it a universal? It seems to be a universal. We actually have um, some friends and colleagues in different countries who've done research, and uh, not only is it pretty universal, but people have pretty much the same kind of negative thoughts in Do all we? different cultures. Okay, so let's get into this because I, you know I, I have no doubt this is something pulling every human down, or at least just taking some of their energy, distracting them. What what is this critical inner voice that you're talking about? Well, it's a well-integrated system of negative thoughts about yourself, but also cynical attitudes towards others, which contribute to pretty much all of our maladaptive behavior. Oh, really? destructive behavior. So, um, you know, it's something, it's like an inner coach that gets in your way, basically, and its sort of purpose is to sabotage you. No, it's... Even when it sounds like it's being friendly. Right. I mean, and I guess what it's trying to do is 
because it seems like you wouldn't ever want to sabotage yourself. It seems like your brain would be wired in a way to always self-preserve you. But in reality, it's actually, I guess, socially destroying us while trying, I guess, to physically preserve us. What's it doing? Well, I, I think it's trying to make us feel protected psychologically. I uh-huh. think that it originally, you know, comes from experiences we have early on in our life. And again, depending on how bad our childhoods were, and they all had some pain because, you know, there are no perfect parents out there and there's no perfect um, childhood. But, um, you know, that it's trying to protect us and it's trying to protect us in a million different ways. Don't take that chance. Don't go after this. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get it anyways, that kind of thing. You can't do it. You're not good enough. Everyone else does it better. You don't have a shot. That's right. a lot you're of... different than other people in some negative way. Uh-huh. And it's... Um... And like you're saying, it seems like it's it's kind of the road to all maladaptive behavior. Right. The ways we self-sabotage by not going after things we really want or by actually getting in our own way or, you know, even engaging in things like substance abuse, which, um, you know, this, these negative thoughts lure us into that in two ways, one by kind of seducing us into the behavior and then by punishing us afterwards. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they can play both sides of the coin, can't they? The seduction in... And then the the guilt that kind of keeps us trapped. You can see that with a lot of people that, you know, they might have a little negative feeling about other people. And then when nobody's around, nobody likes them, nobody wants to be near them, then they go follow fall into the guilt and or the the woe is me kind of attitude. Right, right. Even though they've pushed other people away, potentially. Yeah. With a lot of negative thoughts they had about them. And, and we do this, you know, in our relationships, too. And it really... Um, plays a negative role in terms of how our relationships go. And then it seems like it, it seems like it could almost be contagious. Someone's negative inner voice then kind of manifests negative results, which then others pick up as a reflection of who they are, and that perpetuates their negative voice. I mean, it's like a cycle, yeah. isn't it? It is, and it's particularly intergenerational that, you know, um, it's not only ways parents treated us or other significant figures figures in our early life that create this, but it's also how parents felt about themselves. Mm. So if we had a parent who thought they were stupid, that may be, you know, one of our real strong beliefs about ourselves, even though they may have never directed that at us. We learn the script, I guess, huh? We, like if they play mm-hmm. the stupid script, we use the, scr- the stupid script. Interesting. Right, and we think we're stupid, too. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it seems like everybody at some point or another has felt the the power of this, the negative power of it. Um, is it are there some that just have it worse than others or and what is the difference? And do you really have to have kind of a really unhealthy, broken childhood to create such a paradigm in ourselves? Or is this inherent to the kind of human psyche? Um, I think it's pretty inherent to the human psyche that we're creatures that tell ourselves stories about what happens to us. And so, you know, I, I think that um, that it, it's pretty human. So I don't think we have to have a horrible childhood. But to the degree that our parents didn't feel good about themselves, they're going to unfortunately pass that along right. and unintentionally, completely, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, the take home message to parents is you need to feel good about yourself. <laughs> so hating yourself for being a bad parent, that doesn't help. <laughs> well, that's, um, you see it a lot. It seems like too, in, um, kind of in religious organizations, even like the, just the people that don't feel good enough and God's mad at me. And it, so it even turns, 
it could turn some really beautiful, peaceful things into dark sides. And I guess that's the key to this is it can turn anything negative. Right. It, it's the difference between, you know, your glass being half full and half empty. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell kind of which side of yourself you're on um, yeah. at any moment in time. You know, circumstances don't have to change very much in your life. Do you feel pretty different about things or see yeah. things very differently through the filter of this critical inner voice? And, you know, for some people it is more severe and can lead to really self-destructive behavior and even suicide. What What are some signs that you're really, you're being run by this, that you probably need to, you know, focus and, and find a way to really start working on your critical inner voice? Well, it's looking at how your life is going. So are you succeeding in accomplishing the things you want to in your work life? Are you doing, being able to do that in your relationships? Or um, maybe you might be getting in your own way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, are you getting what you want in terms of having meaning in your life and going for the things that really light you up and matter to you? Or, or are you not? And if you're not, then you might want to think about how you might be getting in your own way and what you're telling yourself at those times that might be really interfering. That, that's probably a huge key, isn't it? Is starting to notice what story you're telling, I guess, that is the, that, you know, that might be perpetuating the feelings, the actions, the lack of success. Yeah, because what we found is, you know, events happen to all of us, but what we tell ourselves about those events, these negative thoughts, really uh, play out in how we feel about them and how we are likely to behave. So if we're struggling in our life or not going where we want to or feeling stuck um, or actually, you know, seeing ourselves kind of destroy relationships or, you know, potential opportunities for ourselves, then we really need to kind of look into this and start to recognize it. It's interesting this. I recently had a, a client that talked to me about um, her husband that is such a problem. and But her husband is, uh, you know, driving around in a vehicle with expired plates and illegal plates. The husband is $50,000-ish behind in child support. The husband is behind on his business taxes and is about to have them come down on him for that. Uh, the husband had, had an affair and, I mean, all of these things, yet um, – he comes back. Those are all his problems. He throws it onto her, and then she actually takes her own inner voice and then beats herself down with it all day long. So he actually mm-hmm. throws it down, and then she just keeps repeating it to herself. Right, and and it may be that she chose him because he was somebody who did that because it was comfortable for her. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. huh? I guess yeah. that makes it often. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, just we often find partners who treat us in some way that is familiar to us, yeah. you know, even though it might be more negative. Um, and that's who we're initially madly attracted to, but later on, um, you know, cause us a lot of pain. Yeah. It really is such a subtle thing because the, the voice is mine, right? The repetition is mine. And yet um, we we really don't want to accept responsibility for it it seems like we we we're so comfortable with i guess the byproduct of it what is it that we're so comfortable with that we don't want to question the thought well i think it's hard to think about ourselves as being divided we like to think we're just you know one one entity yeah. um, but i think we really are all divided where there's a part of us that's you know, life-affirming and goal-directed, but there's part of us that's self-critical, self-hating, and it's ultimate and can be self-destructive. And feeling that division feels uncomfortable, so we'd rather just kind of believe these negative thoughts and think they're just a rational way of thinking about ourselves, uh, even when they clearly aren't, like with uh, 
the person you were just describing. Yeah. You know, she takes on all that negativity and directs it toward herself. Mm-hmm. And then I guess part of the key is we have to decide if it's serving us anymore. If I, I guess, is that what we do? Is is this, how, how do we, and we'll get into it, I know through the entire show, how, um, I guess you can't really start to fix a thought pattern until you recognize you have a thought pattern. Right. So it's really kind of looking at what are those times when your mood changes, you know, and things start to look gloomy. Um, when is, you know, when do you overreact to criticism or something that comes up at work or in a relationship? Because it's probably when the person is saying something that fits with your own negative way of thinking about yourself. Yeah. And, you know, if you think all people think of you like this, you know, or all... Uh, uh, it's like they're on to me. They know. know. <laughs> yeah, I better blow right. this up right how, now. how stupid I really am. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so th- those thoughts probably reflect ways you're self-critical mm. and don't represent a more compassionate, <laughs> balanced view. Yeah. Man, fascinating. We're going to um, take a break. We're talking with Dr. Lisa Firestone right now about uh, our critical... Uh, how to conquer our inner critic. You know that voice that is telling you you're stupid, the voice that tells you you're not attractive, you never have been, all these things, that you can't handle it, you're not going to be able to do certain things, nobody loves you. Uh, Take it on, the inner critic. We're going to be right back and get a little deeper into this. Where do these voices come from and what do we start to do with them to make sure that we're finding a healthier, happier route or route to a healthier life? This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM. 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking on that inner critic. You know, that little Roger Ebert you got in your head. Everyone's got one. Critiquing every one of your little shows, your plays, your moments. Hey, you could have done that better. What a loser. Why did you do it that way? The inner critic. And uh, Sky, I'm not going to critique your dance. I'm actually not even going to call it a dance. Because it's perfect, right? Well, it's perfect if you were low in sodium and having a seizure. That That is exactly what it would look like. You probably shouldn't say things like that. There's people actually out there who have issues with that. You know what? You just offended them. Well, if they're dancing like that, all I can say (laughs) is please seek emergency medical help (laughs) immediately. That was, I'm not trying to be critical, but that dance. It's just out of your generation, Matt. You're too old to understand my dance. <laughs> so you're critiquing my age. I never critiqued something as personal as age. I critiqued your dance moves. You critique my age sometimes. You call me 16. I call you Sky Boy. Yeah. Dawn's just in. Dawn, uh-oh, the boss is here. Are you here to take care of Sky? I was just wondering if you'd like, we have a team, a special team here that uh, would, is here to test the panic button. Oh, really? Which I thought was very appropriate for your show. Yeah, they did. Because they, I noticed, so we have a little panic button here, and all the lights were flashing. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're testing the panic. Is that button. all it is? Yeah. Because I was thinking they were here for Sky. Well, that's probably true. Is that it? Maybe Because he didn't do so great on a test, but he's he? lying and says he is. He did oh, a great job, yeah. but he didn't. Maybe that's the lie alert. Maybe it's... <laughs> It's the honor code, people. Yeah, this They're is coming the to get him. Button, isn't it? Maybe they saw my dance and want to recruit me for something. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. 
The people from the funny dance place came to get you, Sky. The funny dance place? Yeah. Actually, I think it was just a bunch of emergency medical technicians who thought they heard, they saw someone having a seizure. I thought I was having a seizure. But it wasn't. It was just you dancing. Good stuff. Anyway, let's get to the guest, for heaven's sakes. Uh, we are joined today by Dr. Lisa Firestone. And Dr. Firestone, is she's trying to help us in, you know, we're not easy to help, but I also don't want to talk negative. Um, but we, as, as I sit here and I think about getting some help on how we talk about ourselves, who better to do it than Dr. Firestone? She is a PhD, um, psychologist, clinical psychologist in Los Angeles and Santa Barbara, California. She works as the director of research and education at the Glendon Association and is the senior editor at psychalive.org. She's the author of Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. Dr. Firestone, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thanks for having me. Good to have you back. Now, um, these voices, like you were talking about, uh, by the way, let's kind of get this clear. This is just a thought pattern that we have in our head. We don't necessarily hear a voice, right? Right. Um, you know, these are thoughts, and a lot of times people identify them as their own point of view. Like you were saying, they just believe it's yeah, true. Yeah, they just, that's you know. what it is. Yeah, and um, but they they are really prevalent, and they really do um, not have a very friendly attitude toward ourselves. Mm. And they come from our earlier life experiences, right? And um, and their purpose, I guess, these are, are these actual thoughts, or are these like a pattern? So... We don't have to have the exact same scenario to go back to the exact same thought, do we? We can just feel yeah. critical kind of generally about ourselves, anything physical. Right, right. And so if we, you know, at one time felt criticized about our, our body, you know, um, you know, that ex-partner who called you fat or yeah. <laughs> whatever it was, um, you know, your new partner doesn't have to say very much for you to then start thinking like that or, right. you know, um, and sometimes these voices get elaborated. So, you know, they, there's what was said to us or what we picked up, mm. but then, you know, they generally sort of uh, generalize to all kinds of things in our life. Yeah, we embellish it, huh? And, and like you said earlier, there's, there, there sometimes tends to be a little bit of truth to it. So if I already don't feel good because... Um, you know, I'm not doing as great of job as I feel like I need to be doing. And then someone critiques my job, uh, that might make it even worse because now I already have the guilt associated with it that jumping on this inner critique might uh, be easier than dealing with it. Right. But also, you know, just if somebody says a criticism that just fits with our own way of being self-critical, even when it isn't true, like somebody calls us stupid, but that's maybe a a core negative thought we have about ourselves that may not be true at all. Um, so sometimes they do play on real things, but also sometimes they are just um, not even at all realistic is, in is, a way that we're self-critical. Is it related? I mean, it really is an anomaly. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily, this voice is not necessarily based in truth. So it's mm-hmm. not like your conscience talking to you. I mean, I can see a lot of people thinking that that critical inner voice is your conscience trying to get you to be better. But right. that's probably not the case. A lot of people think that. 
And especially when they are, quotes beating themselves up over bad behavior, they're like, well, I have to do that, you know, keep myself in line. But, you know, um, no, this negative thought process is also the part that seduces you into bad behavior. Right. It plays both sides of the coin. It is not. Um, and, you know, even if you've done something bad or even if you have a trait that you don't like, beating yourself up about it or having a nasty attitude toward yourself about it is not appropriate. Because the other thing about these negative thoughts is they're not just a cognitive process. There's a lot of feeling behind them. Okay. So, so yeah, it's not just a thought. It's the actual emotion that comes with it that, that really probably creates despair or creates fear or creates the feeling of inadequacy that makes us feel so real. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of anger. When people get into these thoughts um, in some of the therapy we do, there's a lot of hostility toward themselves that they're not even aware of. Hmm. I mean, it, and yet it's it's a part of our own... It's a part of our own construction. We're the ones making this up, and yet, in a way, our mind protects us from even thinking we have such a division. Right. And you know, it's kind of like this one image I like to give people. It's kind of like having this monster inside of you. Um, and every time you kind of give in to the directives of this negative thought process, you're kind of feeding the monster, and it's taking over more and more control over your life and getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. And kind of what you want to do is the opposite. You want to starve the monster, which means not giving into it, not going along with those thoughts. And initially they're going to get louder, almost like a yeah. parent yelling at you to get you back into line. But if you can go through that anxiety and stick with the new behavior, um, take that chance, whatever it might be, that you're going to start to feel a lot better. And it's sort of like starving the monster. It's going to get weaker and weaker. And then does it ever go away or does it just become, you know, it's no longer a monster to you. It's just that little thing that keeps poking its head up every once in a while. Yeah, it, you really, if you don't give into it in terms of your behavior, it gets weaker like that. So it'll still poke its head up once in a while when it thinks you might be vulnerable. Hmm. But you don't, you know, it won't take so much control over your behavior. You won't find your whole life being kind of shaped by how you're limiting it. Um, so, yeah, you can really make a huge difference in terms of how much power this process has over directing your life. And, and I guess that is the key is, um, I guess, recognizing it and then and then starting to to kind of starve the monster, as you say. So what are some of the ways? Let's just maybe get into that right now. What are some of the ways that we, we, we turn what seems to be a fairly normal process of kind of self-critiquing and, and not let it take us down to destruction emotionally, but, uh, but instead start leading it and, and starving it? What, what are some specific things we should, we should try to do if we have this? Okay, well, the, the first is really recognizing it. But if we've recognized it, you know, then it's really starting to plan actions that are actually in our own self-interest um, and really uh, look at, like, kind of what of our goals for ourselves, whether it's at work or in our relationship or whatever, and really stick with the behaviors that go along with those goals, even when the thought process is trying to talk us out of them. Mm. Um, we have a, a number of exercises for doing this in our book, uh, conquer your critical inner voice, and we also have a workshop that you can do on online at our website, Psych Alive. Psych Alive, okay. Uh huh. Psychalive dot org, right? Good, right, and it just has a lot of really good information for the general public. <laughs> it's like you know about getting to know yourself, uh, being open to your relationships, and also to be being a good parent. It seems like this this idea of self awareness. Is kind of it's the light. It's like the light that you're going to shine on the monster, and until then, it's just kind of this thing in the dark that keeps appearing, 
and then you've got to deal with it kind of in the dark. But the more aware you're saying that you become, the more that light shines on it, and you realize, oh, that's not even a monster. That's just this little thing. Right, and and it's you know if if you don't recognize it, it kind of rattles around in your head and just seems true. Yeah. Um, and you know when you start to recognize that you you, can, you can't fight an enemy you don't see. You right. know? Um, so it really is important to identify it, but then you can actually start to take steps to really challenge it as well. I love that. We're gonna um, take a break. We're gonna come back. We're talking with Dr. Lisa Firestone, and when we come back, she's gonna start to show us once we actually recognize the uh, the monster, what we can do to start to shift, pay attention to it, and and start shifting our thoughts to a, to a healthier thought, a healthier place. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about your inner critic. Do you have a little voice inside your head? Skies always says, feed me. Me hungry. Is that what you're saying, Sky? Oh, yeah, I do have that. I don't think that's the inner critic we're talking about. Oh, okay. That is just I was confused this whole show, and then you no. said that, and I could relate. And your stomach sounds like Yoda. Yeah, it does. I don't know why. I don't know how you know that. Because I can hear it from here. Oh, it's embarrassing. Sorry. That's just, okay. You, this quick fix. You just got to feed me. Just yeah. bring some food and you well, won't hear it Well, or you feed yourself. Yeah. It's a lot it's of work. called maturity. You bring your own food. You've never fed me, by the way. Yeah, I have. I got you something out of the vending machine once. That is not <laughs> feeding. I get you stuff out of the vending machine every day. No, you do not. And then I eat half of it. Um. We're talking the inner critic. Everyone's got one. You know, the voice that kind of make, it just makes you think like you're not good enough. Don't do that. You can't do that. You're, I mean, oh, you blew it. See, you, you knew you weren't going to get that job. I mean, why would you get a job? I mean, everyone else gets the good jobs. You're just going to have to stay with the bad job. All that. Uh, that's just what I heard from Sky just this afternoon. Four scary, critical voices. Today on the show, though, we've got a wonderful guest, Dr. Lisa Firestone who's actually written the book on this, Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. She's teaching us the importance of uh, understanding it, noticing it. Um, it's, it's a voice that kind of leads to self-sabotage. It actually doesn't kind of lead to it. It leads us to sabotage our own successes. That's one of the great indicators that you might have a critical inner voice is if you're seeing that uh, you're not quite accomplishing what you want to accomplish. You're falling short a lot. You're, uh, you're, maybe, you're maybe not quite cutting it, mainly because you've got that thought going on in your head. And uh, Dr. Lisa Firestone, you can find out information about her book, Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice, on her website, drlisafirestone.com. She also conducts some um, intensive voice therapy training seminars in Santa Barbara. She has a, coming up in Santa Barbara, a retreat slash workshop on how the inner voice affects relationships and intimacy. It's called Learning to Love Being, uh, and it's going to be held at Ohio, in Ohio, California on November 8th through the 10th. You can find information at that uh, about that at glendon.org, www.glendon.org. You can go um, 
take that workshop or learn more about that retreat. Sounds like a great idea. Dr. Uh, Dr. Firestone, thank you so much for coming back with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Um, that retreat. Uh, so in that one, in that in that retreat, I guess that's where you kind of get in and you get you learn some of the skills about the inner voice. Yeah, and and um, in this workshop, we're going to particularly focus on romantic relationships and how these negative thoughts are influencing your romantic relationships, how to challenge them. And we have both individuals and couples coming, and um, it's an incredibly beautiful location. Oh yeah. To, um, to experience in Ojai Valley. And we're also going to bring in mindfulness exercises so that people can start to develop a different relationship to these thoughts. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not that they necessarily completely go away, but what you really want is to have a different relationship with them where you're not letting them control your life and uh, and your behavior. And your marriage. So you get the things you want and need in life. It seems like that's the interesting thing about bringing this into your marriage is all of a sudden, I've got me, I've got my... Inner voice that's negative. I've probably got my inner voice that's positive. I might get that that spirit, the side of me that I, I connect to when I meditate and feel peace. Um, mm-hmm. So really, we're married to about four or five people, right? And because our spouse has all those things, I know too. that's complicated. <laughs> Yeah, it is, but it really could be powerful and really shift relationships if people can get a hold of these thoughts. Because the other thing we do in our relationships is we project our th- negative thoughts about ourselves onto our partner, and we fight it out with them. So we get them to say the terrible things to us that we think about ourselves. Oh, that's then. so true, isn't it? Yeah. Just say it. And just say yeah. Just say I'm not good at cooking. I'm not going to say that. You just right. Yeah. Just tell me how fat I look at these things. It's, so, it's um, true, huh? And then we get them to say right. it, and then we can actually fight it out. But in the end, it doesn't right. bring peace because we're fighting the wrong person. Right. And also, you know, when relationships break up, we think we're going to get rid of all those criticisms that we think our partner has towards yeah. us. And the disturbing thing is that we realize we still have them. Ah. <laughs> we have them toward ourselves. Yeah. Sure that the partner doesn't help. Oh, man. Um, or replacing the partner unless we really challenge in ourselves. Um, these things. And, and we're just also going to explore the other things that get in the way of having a really loving, close relationship. Love it. They really need to go check that out at glendon.org. And you can find more information out about the retreat there uh, in Ohio, California. Now, let's go back to how we kind of take on this critical voice. First, we were talking about the fact we need to become aware of it, conscious of it, and, and start noticing what the voice is telling you. Um, you also mentioned a little bit about paying attention to when you notice that you're starting to move more into negative feelings. Yeah, really looking at kind of, you know, sometimes we'll wake up in the morning and our, you know, we might have felt fine the day before. Nothing's really changed in our life, and yet we're really down. Yeah. And it's often because we're uh, seeing the world through this filter, this critical inner voice. Um you know, also, when we're starting to think, you know, they all think we're so stupid, whoever they all is, yeah. people at work, general, or yeah, people right. in our family, or whatever, whoever we're projecting onto in the moment, um, you know, it's important to recognize that that might be a way you're thinking about yourself. And again, you know, even though you might have, you know, if you have a trait or a behavior or something you want to change, it's good to recognize that, but beating yourself up about it doesn't lead to change. No. <laughs> you know, so the only really appropriate attitude toward yourself you know, is a compassionate, you know, loving relationship with yourself. So, you know, if you want to challenge a behavior, be friendly toward yourself and then think about what would you do differently to really change that behavior. And even interestingly, I guess what you could do right now, because it might be, I learned somewhere that uh, our feelings 
whether kind of accurate or inaccurate, um, are pretty much designed to make sure you're paying attention to the moment. So there's mm-hmm. something going on with these feelings, and maybe what it's just telling you is shift, time to shift, shift back. You don't have to just go with the bad feeling in the moment, right? Pay attention to what's right. going on and do something with it right now. Shift it. Right, and one of the things to shift it is to recognize, to think, oh, wow, there I go criticizing myself again. Yeah, it's, there it know, is. It's happening. It's not me. My it's pattern. my critical inner voice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because it's a and, pattern that you're trying to fix. It's not – you're not like crazy. You're not just right. a horrible, bad person. Oh, it's just the pattern. Oh, there it is. I'd even name it. Name, name it something funny. You know, there's, yeah. there's Beelzebub. There's the ugly side right. of darkness. Oh, he's coming out. Right. Don't ever name someone else's critical inner voice. No, that might be offensive. That, that, that's probably – they probably won't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But name um, your own. That might be fun. Right. And, 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 you know, you can point out to friends, partners, people, you know, yeah. it sounds like you're being a little self-critical. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, you know. That's um, it. That, that, and I guess, too, you have to – once you've kind of noticed it and, and you're noticing you're shifting into the negative emotions, um, then you say we need to evaluate the thought process, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the goal? Right. And and one of the things we have people do is like journal about it, write it down, you know, and even divide the page. And on one side, take 10 minutes at the end of your day and write down, you know, different negative thoughts you've had in the day. And it's good to put them like the way you were saying them actually as you statements. You're this, you're that. Yeah. To start to separate them from a more realistic or compassionate point of view toward yourself. And then to try to come back to it later and just sort of write down what's a more realistic view. So, you know, and compassionate view, like what you would say to a friend right. or what a caring friend might say to you. So instead of, you know, you're so stupid, you always mess up at work, you know, it's, well, yeah, sometimes I struggle, but, you know, most of the time I catch on and do fine, hmm. you know, or whatever, you know, just a more realistic, compassionate attitude toward yourself. I love it. It's like humanize, right? Like, don't, don't just sit there because this thought pattern kind of dehumanizes you. It demonizes you. It makes you bad. It, may, it kind of pushes you to this extreme thought of who you are but you're just saying once you once you notice you're feeling the bad feelings get in evaluate the thought and start trying to move that thought more to just neutral or or human right yeah it, it's almost like an answering back to those negative thoughts and and then you can really look at what actions am i engaging in in my life today that are based on this negative way of thinking. So, yeah. you know, you want a new job, but you're not even putting together your resume because you think nobody would hire somebody like you. Right. You know, so then it's important to sort of t- to start to take steps and not huge steps, but, you know, baby steps yeah. of, you know, well, at least putting your resume together. And then, you know, maybe, you know, the next week send it, starting to send it out, you know, and, you know, because when you don't send out your resume, you know, and you just sit there and complain about the job that you hate for, you know, months leading into years, you know, you don't end up, you know, getting the things you want in life because you're not really letting yourself take the chance. Right. It's, um, that's a really, I think, important thing is kind of to decide if you're going to let this pat this pattern keep going. I mean, it's not like, do you feel like we can have a partner that could take us out of this like, do we go – because it seems like so many people are looking for this one person that would finally complete them and maybe hush the critical inner voice. But is that even realistic? No. <laughs> That's a very tall expectation for somebody else. Right. And, 
I think a little bit of this one partner that's going to complete me has to do with something we call the fantasy bond or an illusion of connection, like there's this other person that's going to make me a whole person. Right. And we're really best off going into relationships feeling like we're a whole person on our own. Yeah. And it would be really nice to be close to this other whole person on their own. Yeah. <laughs> um, because when we look to somebody else to make us feel better, whether you know it's a relationship partner, a parent, or anybody, um, you know, uh, it doesn't really... It, it, you know, it becomes like they're the ones who are okay and we're the ones who aren't. It's right. still believing that negative thought about yourself, that you're not somehow a whole person that's worthy just all on your own. It's uh, And then again, that just reinforces, oh, we're still broken. Yep, there it is. I can't do yep. it. And it and it, uh, and it just it kind of takes us on. It's funny to the idea that we're going to actually evaluate our own thinking because it seems like we'd have to use our thinking, right, to evaluate our thinking. And yet our thinking is part of the problem here. Well, it, it, I, it's it's sort of like this, you know. This, if you think of yourself as having two sides, it's it, you know, it's really recognizing when your anti-self or the part that's turned against you is more in control, mm. and it's using you know your real self and strengthening. That's the other part that we really focus on in our work is strengthening the part of you that really yeah. represents the real you. You know, the things that light you up, that really matter to you, that give your life meaning. That you're really pursuing those things. So it's not just, you know, giving up behavior that's self-destructive. It's also really engaging in behavior that's on your own side and in your own self-interest. Well, and that's powerful because imagine, I guess, the idea that you're starting to recognize when you're negative. You're starting to actually identify that as just a pattern. That's just the – that's my negative side. Um, mm-hmm. And yet if we've been spending all this time building the positive side, you now have something so much more – so much stronger to just – more quickly go to or adapt to. So it's funny because we do. We try to fix it by focusing on what not to do. Okay, don't do the negative anymore. But sometimes just building the positive just overwhelms the negative. Right, and really going after the things that give your life meaning. And, you know, if you really find the person that you want to be close to, really being close to that person. But, you know, pursuing the positives and the things that really matter to you really strengthens your positive sense of self. Again, you know, we're divided, but we have that positive side of us as well. And you're not saying, just go be positive. You're saying, I mean, get real. There's, There's inherent goodness, greatness in everybody, but you really have to go do some work and identify what yours is, or otherwise it's going to be easier to just believe the negative story. You've got to really believe the positive stuff about you. Right, absolutely. And also to really develop the, the, the traits that you want. You know, you can develop that positive side of yourself. What kind of person do you want to be? And, you know, you can really make a choice about who you're going to be in the world. I, I love that. I love, too, that that you kind of turn to mindfulness. And this, there's this spiritual side of this where when you can actually center yourself and get back to that just the good side, that the what Emerson called that divine spark, that good part of you. Um, there's so much peace there that really can help us overcome the other side. The light can help us overcome the dark side. Right, and and you can really develop a life that has meaning for you, you know, and that has whatever um, you know higher meaning and and transcendent goals that you would have yeah. as an individual. How have you seen this in your work? I mean. What's great about you is you're not just sitting there in some ivory tower talking about this. You're you're doing this day day, day in day out with the couples you work with, um, and you know uh, to write a book, the book you wrote, Con- Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. 
you've been through this with people. What are some of the changes you've seen that uh, that just stand out in your mind? Yeah, I've seen people go from sort of recreating the same bad relationship again and again, partly by the kind of partners that they selected, yeah. um, to really ha- developing relationships that are really meaningful to them and where they can really be a loving person. And, you know, being able to love is p- what makes you feel good. You can only really feel your loving feelings, not somebody else loving right. you. Uh, but when you're treating somebody that way, they also tend to love you back. Um, and I've also seen people change addictive patterns that were really ruining their lives, whether it was uh, engaging in substance abuse or overeating or, you know, something that was really making them feel badly about themselves. And I, I've seen people really get to know themselves in a whole different way when they really thought that this negative identity was just them and that's just who they were. Mm. And uh, really find that they were capable of a, a great deal more than they thought they were. It, and, it, it's um, freeing, isn't part it? That's why I really like doing therapy. Well, yeah, you're you're changing lives, and it's it's interesting what you're bringing to us today is this simple idea of the duality, kind of of the human, and uh, we're, we're playing against our we're playing against ourselves, and yet part of us that's kind of in a weird way perniciously eating us, chewing us up actually also carries with it such profound emotion that sometimes we believe the emotion of the negative side, even though there's not a ton of data to keep perpetuating it. Right. It's just right. the emotion so we get bought thoughts into. thoughts generate a lot of negative emotion. Yeah. And then, you know, when we get into the negative emotion, it makes the negative thoughts seem more real. Yeah. You know, this really must be the end of my life that I've ruined this relationship because and it's the only good relationship I'll ever have because yeah. I feel so terrible about it. I, isn't that amazing? That. I've seen I saw a 14 year old girl just the other day that, that was so scared and frustrated because she's she woke up late and she gets mad and would throw a fit. And um, I'm like, what happens? So what happens if you're late to school? What's going to happen? And she's like, I'll get a bad mark. And what happens if you get a bad mark? Then they'll call my parents in and they'll get mad and everyone will be mad. And I'm like, and her parents were sitting right there. I'm like, has that ever happened to you? And she's like, no. I mean, never? No. Mm -hmm. How many times have you been? Did you get up late this year? A lot. And you've never? No. So I'm like, what are you worried about? But it's it's that voice. It's that voice that's mm-hmm. and that's, it's probably hers. Probably has a little more anxiety in it and other issues. But um, right. it's there, isn't but she's it? Torturing herself unnecessarily. Yeah. You know? I, I was talking to a ten year old. Those same ideas. You know, she's so afraid of getting bad grades. You know, and she's so worried that she works herself. You know, and worries all the time. You know, and she's kind of missing her childhood and yeah. the fun. And you know, yeah. And you know, her mother was sitting right there, and I said, well, you know. So how many times have you got bad grades? Well, never. <laughs> like, okay. It's just a thought then, isn't it? Probably not going to happen. <laughs> isn't but it amazing? She's, you know, she's suffering it's a over thought. it. I know. But it's, it's real suffering. She's suffering over it because, yeah, but it's not because she's failing. No. It's just because of what she's telling herself. That's amazing. Hey, that's a that's a great human trick. You know, probably the rest of the animal kingdom, they're not sitting there obsessing about something that might happen. They're right. probably it's just kind of the curse of having a cerebral cortex. It is. It's exactly <laughs> right, right? Well, I so appreciate you. Dr. Lisa Firestone has joined us, but you're going to want to go get her book, uh, Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice, and go check out her that uh, workshop, that retreat that's coming up in Ohio, California, November 8th through the 10th. You can get that information on glendon.org. You can also go to drlisafirestone.com or psychalive.org. She's got it all there. 
helping us uh, conquer our own critical inner voice. So appreciate it. We're going to take a break and um, we're going to come back. I think we're going to get into how sometimes, uh, you know, this this tendency we all have to not um, even give ourselves a break. We give everyone else a break but us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, have you ever heard the old adage that we should treat others the way you'd like to be treated? Have you ever heard that? But uh, when you think about it, how do we actually treat ourselves? Our very own Hannah Montana has some insight on what she calls the reverse golden rule. It's a typical human trait for us to talk down to and even insult ourselves. We think nothing of saying, ugh, I look awful today, or I'm so stupid, or I'll never lose this weight. We say things to ourselves that we would never in a million years say to someone else. Would you say to a friend, you look awful today, or you're so stupid, or you'll never lose the weight? Not only would you never say that, but you would be horrified if you heard anyone else saying things like that to your friends. The golden rule is to treat others as you would want to be treated yourself, but I say we reverse that. It should be that you treat yourself as you would like your friends to be treated. When you catch yourself falling into negative self-talk, Ask yourself, would you say these things to a friend? If not, stop. Find something positive to say instead, like, you look great today, or you made a mistake, but that doesn't make you stupid, or if you try, I know you can lose the weight. I have faith in you. The negative self-talk isn't true. It's harsh. It's lies. So don't feel that it's more realistic to talk down to yourself than to be understanding and praise yourself. The truth is the kind words you would say to a friend. And the reverse golden rule is, don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to someone you love and care about. Well done. I like the music behind it, too. (laughs) It sounded like a Disney uh, moment. I feel like actually one of the most exciting parts about coming up with stuff is finding music that fits it because it either sounds really depressing yeah, no, that was or very, overly peppy. But I, that I, wasn't we're peppy. going Disney effect. That was not like it's almost like the big, you know, when they have the big crescendo at the end of a Disney show, not a, like a video, but like one when you're at Disneyland. And boom, they're like bringing it home and Pocahontas is running through the. To John, yeah. Oh, is that? Okay, yeah. That's what I was John. going for. Hey, now I totally think I'm with you on this. Uh, the reverse pause, the reverse, what do we call it? Golden rule. Because um, I caught Skyboy doing this. What was he doing? Well, okay, so he's supposed to talk to himself the way he talks to me. And I walked in and he was looking on his iPhone and he was doing FaceTime with himself. He was just actually just looking at himself on his phone. Okay. And he's like, Sky, you're the most incredible host ever you are hold up hold up amazing hold up and rock solid rock solid dude you say i was talking to myself the way i talk to you yeah i don't think i've ever said those words in that order to you yeah not in a sentence not not it wasn't that order maybe i said something like you were using the same lines these this food is incredible 
And Matt, no, you're no, an okay no, no. host, but only when you bring me food. Yeah, no, and see, you just kind of selected the words out of that sentence no, that no, I no, said. No. See, that's your negative. That's your negative inner cr- critic. What what you're supposed to do, and this you may have not heard it because you were talking to Hannah during her <laughs> bit, but I heard it. And um, what you were supposed to say is, so instead of you talking negative and then positive to everyone else, like you're always telling me how great I am, man, you look sharp, Matt. Look at those abs, dude. Rock solid stuff. That's the stuff you say. So I'm thinking maybe what you, what I heard you saying was you were just trying to talk to yourself positively using the words you would normally use for me. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I see your logic there. I just don't think I've ever used those words for you. But Oh, you don't? I think you hear things sometimes that you want to hear. Yeah, I love deer. <laughs> <laughs> I've killed a bunch of them on Deer Hunter. <laughs> Oh my um, goodness! What were you saying about what I hear? Nothing. You're, I think you're the doing moral great, of the story is if you're both nice to each other, then you should be nice to yourselves. Yeah, oh. I like that. That's you that's... nailed it. Hey, <laughs> can I can I be nice to myself and not to him? Nope. I got a question. Not allowed. Um, do you think it's nice? Let's say we're in a studio. Oh, okay. we are in a studio. This let's, is hypothetical. This right? is hypothetical. Let's say there's like 25 people that come in this little tiny studio room. Let's say it's roasting for a lot of us. <laughs> and then one, let's just say one girl. doesn't matter if it's a girl or a guy. In this case, let's just but say By 25, do you mean two people? Just I want to be sure. But let's just, well, no, there's 10, 9, there's 6. Okay, so there's seven like two. People. Seven <laughs> people it, are here. I got it, Basically 25. <laughs> Don't you think, because I like the idea of um, the golden rule reversed. Do okay. you think it's improper for one person who's really cold that has no um, m- no heating management on her body to come turn the heat up in the studio and make the host sweat. The talent, mind you. The talent. Sorry. <laughs> the talent. I think, I think it depends. It really depends on the situation. Okay. Because the reverse golden rule means you have to be nice to people you love. <sighs> well, well Matt, Matt loves me and I'm hot. In here, you're hot so, physically. You're not. I mean, not. You're not. What I'm talking. Your attraction. Wait, I, I'm well, confused. Yeah. Is talking. this a hypothetical or is this is this real? Hypothetically, I'm also in the situation. Oh. Yeah. So. Anyway, <laughs> somebody just came in and messed with our little thermometer. I thought it was a placebo. That's what I've been told. So yeah. Well, it was so you wouldn't touch it, but then you started touching it, and now it's roasting, <laughs> and Sky is <laughs> down to just his teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and his cape. Anyway, well, I appreciate it. That was a really good. That was a really good segment. You nailed it. Thanks. You're amazing. Sorry, I make you guys sweat. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. It's just sweat. You know, whatever. We're just dehydrated. Yeah, you could take off your jacket. I would, but uh, you'd see how sweaty I am. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. We're coming right back with the uh, Meg Conley. You know, she's gonna teach us how to have a mission statement, how to write our own mission statement. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Meg Conley's in the house. Hello. How are you, Meg? So good. How are you? Meg, i got to read your whole bio here. Meg is a writer. That's me. She is a wrestler, yes. weightlifter, bodybuilder, 
Yeah, mother I've extraordinary. Won state in all of those things, except for motherhood. I have not won anything in motherhood. No, you have. You've won the mother of Zuzu and Viola. Uh huh. That's me. Uh, you have husband Riley. You got it. Look at you. All three names. And this week. a goat named Kike. Okay, I wish I had a goat because I love goat cheese. I love goats. Hey, have you? Can I just let you in on something? Please, please. So, did you ever read? Have you ever read uh, Huckleberry Finn? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Sawyer kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, I had a friend that needed to go on vacation when we were in high school. Uh-huh. And he needed somebody to milk his goat. Yes. And he's like, oh, who would milk my goat? Where did you grow up? Uh, Salt Lake City. Okay, sure. Yeah. On the east side of Salt Lake City. Because people think I have an accent. No, not true. But I just, I did milk a goat. So I said, I'll do it. I'm a good friend. I mean, how hard could milking a goat be for a right, week? Right, right. Goats are stubborn. They're hard. Yeah, that's to rough. Milk. Yeah. And um, so I went over there, and I'm sitting there, and he's like, "Hey, you got to lean down because I got to show you how to do this." And we got the goat up on a little thing, the goat holder. Yeah, sure. I don't know what sure. you call it. I've never, yeah, that's the technical that's, term is actually. That goat holder. Yeah, so that's nice. He says, "Got to lean down so you can see it." And I leaned down, and right then he squirted goat milk <laughs> right in my mouth. Delicious. No. Yeah. Warm. Still warm. Nasty. That's rough. Yeah. Goat milk. Yeah. Right. To this day. Can't eat. I can't drink warm goat milk. <laughs> it's got to be awkward because people are always offering that yeah. to you, and you just have to be like, "No, I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm full of yeah. my goat milk." <laughs> so when you say goat cheese, not even interested. You've never had goat cheese. I, th- I have. It's sharper, right? It's well, like, and like feta, like that's goat cheese. Yeah. So anytime you have a Greek salad, have you ever seen what a bucket of goat milk looks like? Sure. Yeah. Like just floating there right out of the goat. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. It looks like it looks like opportunity for cheese. No, it looks like opportunity for cheese cloth. <laughs> and you need to get all the impurities out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. But, you know, <sighs> we're all about going back to nature, organic, local. Nah. I want I want a homestead. Like that's really my husband. and I. That's like our big dream. Is it really? like, yeah. Like, get and you know, small, but five to ten acres somewhere and have kind of a working. Hold it. Why? <laughs> Because it would be fun and fulfilling. And we're anticipating that we will be so wealthy by 40 that we need something to take up our time. No, but that's true. So why not grow cucumbers? What, what are we doing that will provide the wealth? Um, the, I mean, other the, than the, the Matt Towns. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm, I've hitched my, hitched my to this star, yeah, so we're yeah. good to go. Well, this star is um, fading. <laughs> this star is tired. Um, uh, the, all the books I write. All the books I write. That's and, it. You're and, be my, an and my husband's, you know, amazing... Riley will be the His goat general herder. amazingness. Gonna, right? From now on, he's the goat herder. But yeah, we'd love to live off the grid. How Would fun. you really? Yeah. See, I have no interest in doing that. Yeah, that's a, fair. didn't even know there was a grid. Right. Plus, I You just, couldn't get deer hunter off the grid, so well, that would be rough. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yes. um, it's almost like we're making money on it, but we're not. <laughs> we're just having fun. You guys should contact somebody But if we that. could just eat what we've killed... Right, right. We'd be set. You'd be set if you could virtually... If we can just virtually yeah. eat it. Even. I guess when I say I want to live off the grid, I mean, I really mean, you know, somewhere outside of Park City so I can still go shopping yeah. and eat. Well, yeah, you want to be near the, <laughs> the mall outlet mall, right? Right. Yeah. right. But yeah, that would be fun. Okay. So. Man, um, you've been really busy. So we did a whole show today about the inner critic. Yes. I now, love I that. know you don't even relate to that concept. Oh, no. That is, I am consumed by that continually. You, I know you are. I know. You I'm a mess. You keep thinking you're not great enough right right and how how am i gonna write those books how am i gonna raise my children and so yeah. no that is off um, the grid 
That is one of my biggest flaws is that is a a crippling aspect of my personality. But um, so it's something that I was trying to figure out a couple years ago. Right. Did you figure it out? Well, I'm working on it. I figured out what I'm working on. Okay, And that's all we can do. Right. That's half the battle. So guy doesn't even know what he's working on. (laughs) Looks like deer hunter right now. That's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So I, where was my inner critic coming from? I think you had to figure out the voice right. first, right? Okay, so I felt like mine was coming from chaos and confusion. When I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, that's when that voice was the loudest, when I didn't have direction. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I read this really amazing book um, by, you know, I think, it, I think it's pronounced Tish, T-S-H. How would you pronounce that name? Maybe. Yeah. Oxen rider. Yeah. And, um, she's, she's a blogger over at SimpleMom.net, okay. and she wrote this book called organized simplicity. And the whole Love thing it. is so good. It is. Yeah. I mean, after my religious texts, yeah. it, I mean, it is it's right there. there. I love it. It and changed my, book, my life. You've read my book. I've got, I've read a lot of Matt Townsend. Yeah. yeah I love Matt yeah. Townsend. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so after your religious texts, I'd say it's equal. Then my right, book, right. then their book, absolutely, her book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I just so, clarifying. Well, I assumed your readers already knew. Your oh, yeah. listeners already Duh. knew. But, um, but so her whole concept was that you need to live life deliberately, which can apply to a lot of shows and a sure. lot of ideas. But the thing that really stuck out to me was she suggested that you write a family mission statement. Love it. Yes. Yes. And she said that after you had written the family mission statement, that anything that did not fit within that did not belong in your family life. Right? Really? Okay. So you can do the same thing for a personal mission Love statement. It. You write that down. Anything that does not fit in that does not fit in your life. And that includes the voice of the inner critic. But I feel like once you've written that, once you've narrowed yeah. down what you want the essence of your life to be, it's easier to make decisions. Decisions. Yeah. It's easier no. to know who you are, to mm-hmm. say no, and it's easier to build constructively instead of thinking in this introverted, Love it. woe is me manner. Don't you think that it, for it to truly be a mission statement, you'd have to like cross stitch it in a pillow? Well, luck, here's the thing. Yeah. For okay, sure. like if you go if you go if you go online you, after you've written your mission statement, there's all kinds of services where you can type it in. Um, BeHappy.me is one of them, and they'll they'll make the quote for you, and you can download it and frame it. Really, Hold which on. is I want really that. exciting. Yeah, BeHappy.me. Yeah, and you can go in and design it and have a lot of fun. And Recitethis.com does that too. Really? Yeah. Where have you been? You know, online too much, obviously, but That's, it's great. Because we my my family has a mission statement that yeah. we do every night. I love that. But it's that. just a few words. Oh, I love that. And I can't tell anyone what it is because I'm I'm sworn not to. Sure. But sure. it does involve a goat. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it does. It's just, it's ours. And what the right. deal is, it's just our families. Right. But I envision the day and it's going to happen. Right. I envision a day that it will, will say this, this mission because all my kids get it. They mm-hmm. know what it means. Mm-hmm. But someday they'll gather around at my funeral. Right. And my grandkids and my great grandkids will all it. be there. That's so exciting! That'd be cool. Not the dead part. I mean, not the dead, the dead part. Part's not that. That's exciting. the downer side. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'd Silver rather, lining. I'd so. like it to be a reunion. <laughs> right. I was about to say, can you envision yeah. a reunion for? It? No, I think it's the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad. Uh, that is not okay. Right. So when I first read her book and it said to make a family mission statement and a personal mission statement, I thought, okay, 
great, but how, is that a book long? Like, how do you yeah, write that? Right. So she has some really great suggestions okay, for questions that you can go through and ask yourself. But I'm going to give your readers a really easy shortcut. Sweet. If you go to franklincovey.com, yes. they'll build it for they'll, you. They'll, they'll tell you what your mission is. Right. So what you do is you go in and you click on um, build my mission statement, and they ask basically the same questions that simplemom.net And that it's all written at the end. Right. And so, so, but there's a couple things to think on. Like, when am I at my best? When am I at my yeah. worst? And you can, you can say this for your family too, but since we're talking about that inner critic right now, yeah. um, what are three things that I feel like I do really well? What are three things I'd like to improve? Why do I feel like I'm here? Okay. So you go through and she has again on, um, Franklin Covey also, there's 15 to 20 questions that yep. you ask. And so um, and so I would take a week to ruminate on those yeah. questions. I mean, I I wrote, you know, what I thought my answers were initially in my journal. And then I went back three days later and I revised because you have some time to think yeah. on that. And and so as I narrowed down what I hope to accomplish in this very short life, that helped uh, me narrow down what I hope to become. Yeah. And it also... Um, Helped remove a lot of the doubt and anxiety. Did you notice? There's so many things I'm not worrying about anymore. Did you notice that what you ended up writing was less um, like a list of goals? Right. And it was more like a list of principles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's a sign that we're. You're into something that's going to last, something exactly. that's universal. Exactly. And then, and then it's fun once you've written the mission statement and. Um, Miss Oxenrider suggests this too, is if you go through and you write down actions that will help you adhere to it. So yeah. one of ours was to simplify our family life, but also to simplify my life. Off the grid. Off the grid, right? So let's start Get a go. Let's start pickling things. Yeah. So for me, that means that I don't leave the house more um, for outside family things or outside work things more than once a week. Really? And, right. And so there are some things like that, and I hold myself to it. That's a that's and, uh, so you've now set a goal, right. or like a an operationalizing of the principle. Right. Right. And so if I'm invited to a girls' night out, somebody invite me. But if I'm invited, one eight five five chat BYU. Ask Meg Conley out to a women's night. If I'm invited to a girls' night out and my schedule is free, then absolutely. But once that slot is filled, I can say no without feeling guilty because I'm adhering to something I've decided for myself. So you can do that with any aspect of your life, personality. I mean, I have a very difficult time also allowing myself to do the things that fulfill me. For me, that's writing. Right. So I do leave the house twice a week after the kids are in bed to write for five and six hours. Where do you go? The BYU library, actually. Do really? I do. Yeah, I it's like great. That. I go every Tuesday and Thursday. So, so Plus, you feel like a co-ed again. I kind of do, actually. <laughs> and I never wear my wedding ring, yeah, so that's, that's led to some pretty funny circumstances. <laughs> Isn't that Meg Conley? Yeah, she forgot her ring. <laughs> yeah, she's, you know, they're not traditional. But you have to get away, huh? You have to make it <laughs> right. intentional. Right. And so, since I also have that written down as one of my actions, I don't feel guilty about taking right. it because I'm staying true to what I decided was best for myself and my family. See, that you really build great. integrity on this mission. Exactly, exactly. You know, I feel silly talking to you about this because you're like the it. king of this kind no, of stuff. This is, you should just talk for a half no, hour I, about I like, it. No, I like, because you say it with such enthusiasm. Oh, I'm, I'm bored with it. Oh, I'm very enthusiastic. But I, I've seen this change a life, just to know. It's huge. Just to know. It's huge. And I um, feel so empowered through it, and I've lost so much of that guilt. The mom guilt, the wife guilt, the career woman guilt, and 
I have a difficult time finding my inner critic now. Yeah. And that's Do been a recent really? development, but it's taken a couple years of, you know, fine-tuning yeah. this, but it's working. What's with all the black? Because normally you're wearing really, <laughs> you're wearing know. a lot of flashy color, and now that you've <laughs> lost your inner critic, you're all black. Um, honestly, when I wear really loose clothing, I feel more writerly, and I've been writing all day. <laughs> Are you serious? Because yeah. I'm just the opposite. I need is tight black. clothes <laughs> to feel like a writer. Are you so just, serious? Just the That's part, great. right? <laughs> yeah. I like to wear like a, a corduroy jacket like I am right now oh, yeah. with um, patches Sure, Because sure. then I look professorial. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd I'm, grow a beard if I could. I feel kind of hippy-dippy today, so that like Well, it looks great. Because <laughs> we always comment on your clothes because they're so like amazingly colorful. The and necklace today, is super colorful, right? And yeah. so, so it counts. It's kind of like art deco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking though today, right when you walked in, I thought- Whoa, author. There we go. See? Oh, you know, no, like a gypsy author. Like a hip gypsy that's, that's author. That's all I ever wanted to yeah. be. It's actually not in my personal mission statement, but it's it not. probably should be. But, so. you, but the writing is the a big, you found your there. mission. Yeah, it's part of it, right? Yeah. And so and so I think that also, and I know I'm always saying like as women, but I don't have that much experience as a man. So that's what I got. So. Well, call me. I've got nothing <laughs> but, but experience. As there. women, we do not. I think that so much of our inner critic is because we are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. On on so on my Instagram feed the other day, I asked women, um, "What issues are you struggling with right now? What can we be talking about? How can we gather together in a sisterhood and understand one another and relate to each other?" And I got, uh, you know, 120 responses, Did you really? and it was. Um, and each one made me cry because they all felt so alone. Oh, but no. everything they were saying, I could say on any given day. We are not alone, Everyone's right? Everyone's got that. And that is, I think that that is when your inner critic becomes the most powerful is when they make you feel like your circumstance, your experience, your trials are completely unique yeah. to you. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah, and you're so, in a sisterhood. Right. And a so that's, humanhood. That's the other thing that I think that we need to work on is that um, – Make part of our mission statement outreach so that the people around us know that they're not alone. And, you know, one of the one of the women said that she felt so much um, so much difficulty in finding ways to validate her days because they were full of dirty diapers and kids spitting up. And she said that um, it was a struggle to get dinner on the table and she couldn't find anything she did during the day that justified the hours she spent basically being alive when her husband got home. Like, (laughs) what have I done today? And you've lived. Oh, yeah. That's you what you've done. You've survived. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that sometimes just being here, yeah. just breathing has to yeah. be enough. And that alone silences the inner yeah. critic. Like, I am here. That is all that so matters. So that's being present, right? Right. But see, most of the time we're like, yeah, but I didn't I, I didn't even Pinterest or pin one thing Right. Today. No, I didn't Pinterest nothing. I didn't go <laughs> there Pinterest one thing. Right, right. Well, and that's – and I think that I think that that's what you guys are talking about tomorrow, right, about how social media and the internet yeah. can make – because I think that that has amplified yeah. the the bad voices in oh, our yeah. head. And so that is absolutely it, something right? that we have to deal with. But, um, but that's, again, with the mission statement. When you go back to the mission statement, did creating the perfect Halloween costume, does that fall anywhere in what you hope to do for your family long term? Right. Absolutely no. not. So chuck it. Chuck the guilt from that. It doesn't chuck matter. It. If you it's can true. Do, if you can do it, great. But if not, who cares? It Buy doesn't one. fall within. Buy one. I just bought one today. At Kroger's. Right. 
We went Throw to Target and I was like, on. whatever you want under $15, yeah. go crazy, kids. They loved I it. I love it. No, that's, see, <laughs> but that's the deal. But, but, you know, if you loved your children, it would be homemade. Right. Well, and for some moms, that is how they express their love. So I don't yeah. want to negate that, no, but, but it's not necessary. That's why you got to get off the grid. Right, right. I don't want to keep drilling this home. If you love your children, you'll pickle your homemade cucumbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You first of all, you would grow Home a cucumber. cucumbers. Don't no, go borrow cucumbers right. and pickle them. So, um, so I think so. Again, that's been very helpful too. Like I, um, I was attending all these events for a long time because I felt like that's what I needed to do to grow my blog audience or to to be fulfilled. And in our community, that's what women often yeah. do. But it didn't fit into my mission statement, so I stopped doing it. And so there's a lot of things, you know, ex- enter in whatever you know fills in the blank for you. And um, have you ever tried your life. Deer Hunter 2014? You know, I'm I'm going to. So I that I, so that so next week when I come in, I can yeah. be like, look at all my kills, yo. You guys yeah. can't even you can't, no. can't even hang. No, don't use the word yo. Isn't that how we're talk hunters. On deer hunter? We're only hunting deer. We're not like taking Have on... you ever really been hunting, Matt? No. Have you not? I have fired guns. I've been with people while they were hunting. Have you? Yeah. But I've that's partaken the of my in deer jerky. Yeah, venison, it's kind of gamey for me. I got it. Way gamey. I know you shouldn't say that in Utah, but that's how no, I No, it's gamey. Yeah. Let's be real. And right. I don't, but uh, elk, have you tried elk? Yeah, I'm a fan of elk. Elk, uh, man. Yeah. I'm in love. Yeah, you, and you go to the tree room, they always have good bison. Have you ever had a there? really good corn dog? I hate corn dogs. I love a corn dog. <laughs> You're like, Meg, get out of here. An elk dog. <laughs> Meg, stay with us. Meg Conley's going to hang through the end of the show. We're going to come back and talk about our favorite justifications. Oh, yeah. I got lots of those. The best way you've ever justified something. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back with Meg Conley right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That's the hoedown music. That means we're about to play a game. Hey, Matt, did you did you hear that promo that just played? No. I don't know, but whoever that was was really good at doing promos. Was there a promo? Yeah. Was it Merritt? No. Was it Sky? Um, he doesn't do promos. Was it Hannah? Have you done promos? Oh, she has. Okay. Who was it? It was me. Whoa, oh. the award-winning expert. Did you know, uh, Meg, he won an award? Did you? He's what a, award? He's uh, award-winning. I won the uh, Utah Broadcasting Association's award for something. That's big time, that right? Is huge. That's big here. But what's the something? It's for best thirty or best news featured segment. Mm-hmm. That's huge! Just, Yay! That's not all. He got a piece of paper with I it. I did. Are you going to frame it? Uh, I just might actually. Are you going to go to Sizzler? That's what we used to do when I got a good report card. Sizzler. Whoa. Well, I mean, I don't do it anymore, but I mean, when I was a kid, to, it was let's, huge. Let's at least go to like Golden Corral if we're oh, going to step what? it up. Oh, I think this is a good thing. Chakarama's the step oh, up. There we go. <laughs> Please. I think Don should take you to Sizzler. Don, I met Don. Don's should take nice. you to Chakarama. <laughs> Don took me to Sizzler and I didn't even win an award. <laughs> that's actually what I've heard is that's what Don does before he fires you. So apparently you dodged a bullet. Really? He takes you to the Sizzler. Well, I was in the restroom the for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he kept saying, are you coming out? Anyway, uh, justifications. Yeah, so this we've is a been, game. So we've been we've been talking about being critical about ourselves, you know, being good critical, being bad critical. But what about when we do it absolutely wrong? Look at yawning boy there. Yawning and rocking. Not to point it out cuz the radio listeners can't see it. Sky, he's talking. You can't rock and yawn. 
Why not? <laughs> that was weird. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> That's his stay awake dance. Stay awake. <laughs> Show's almost over. Stay awake. Anyway, like sometimes we'll lie to ourselves. So I just want to know what's everyone's uh, justification. What's your favorite justification? I'm living mm. with the consequences of my favorite justification what as is we speak. It? My favorite justification. Oh, it's it's already this late. Yeah. Another hour won't matter. Yeah, I do that one. Yeah. All the time, every single night. What's one more? I mean, there's weekends. Just, I'll sleep on the weekend. Yeah. You know, it's like I always have to get up at eight. Yeah. It doesn't. And here's my other one. My apartment's finally quiet now, so I should take that time not to use the quiet to actually sleep. Right. Just the next morning when everybody's awake and waking me up, but to enjoy it. Interesting. Yeah. So that's my favorite. That's a good justification. Yeah. That or is. I can finish. Hold on. I want to write these down because I could use them later. <laughs> Uh, do you have a justification, Bryce? I would say my favorite one is, uh, well, I mean, I'm already, uh, I, I've already started this. I might as well finish it. Oh, Whether or not that's I, a good justification, well, or a bad one, I guess. Like, depending I've already, on what you started. I've already eaten half a pint of ice cream. Exactly. Like, well, I've already, I mean, I've already started. Yeah. Might as well finish it. Regardless yeah. of how long it is, how good it is, how good it might be for me, like, for some reason, starting it is just enough to get me to finish it. Yeah, and that's a that's a bad one. That gets me into trouble. But a good a in a good way. My favorite is um, she had it coming <laughs> to her. You know, does that have to be a she? I don't know. Which, just the general she. That sounds a <laughs> that, that's scary. One, the royal that's, that, the royal she. That, that, yeah, the royal she. That's the one I like. I also like. Um, I'll just shoot one more animal. Wait, does that count as a reference to Deer Hunter? 2014? I'll just take one more out. I'll get one more gun on 2014, Deer Hunter. And he had it coming to him. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is actually a song Did you, from really? award-winning Chicago. So there you go. Why don't you just sing a bar? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Can't. Won't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you think that's just a good one? Yeah. Yeah. Mine is... Um, so my husband studied economics, and he would come home and tell me about all the theories all the time because I'm actually very interested. Really, I read a lot of Thomas. Sowell. You're eclectic, from goats to economics. I'm a, I'm a mess. You should really. I'm a mess. You should really write a blog or something. I because you have so many interests. Maybe I should call it MeganProgress.com. <gasps> oh what? no, I think that's taken. Someone's <laughs> you want, got that. You want an outlet for that plug? <laughs> so so, but but I didn't love hearing him talk about the theories, so I would kind of drift in and out a lot of the time. But the one that stuck was the concept of sunk costs. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's my life. By the way, I say that all the time. Ah, it's a sunk, it's sunk cost. cost. It's already, we've already paid. We've the already, price. you know, basic as I'm spending the money. I, yeah. He's like, that's not yeah. really how <laughs> yeah. that works. No, you know, it's, you don't want to keep perpetuating so, sunk so costs. So I'll, I'll text him and I'll be like, we're about to acquire another sunk cost because I just feel like <laughs> yeah. proactively. Then it's beyond yeah. my, it's beyond my control. We See, can move past it. One thing you Isn't might want to do, because you're so eclectic, you've studied everything. <laughs> what you might want to do is just actually finish a whole area of study. <laughs> Because then you would learn like economics, right. and then you learn that we don't do that. No, it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. But for me, that justifies. I, I, I think it's great. The Halloween costumes, for hey, example, sunk cost. I've already one more spoonful them. never hurt anyone. Right, right, right. Right, it's just a sunk cost. Right, exactly. my belly's done sunk. Right, down my pants. I've, Something like that. I'd like to go on record as saying I've never used that justification. You haven't used that one. <laughs> uh, I'll wash. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'll wash my shirt tomorrow. So I can eat more food tonight. Good times.
You guys, you're great. All of you. <laughs> Even you, Skyboy, yawning and dan- dancing. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Award winner. Appreciate you. Meg, you- in progress. Go check out that blog, Meg in Progress. You'll see pictures. You'll probably get to see Hulu and ZZ, <laughs> her children. They're really great. And Riley the goat, heart, goat herder. What a family. Good stuff. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. We're done. Show's over. Show's done. We're out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas, tools to give you a leg up in this crazy thing called life. Thanks, everybody. Join us tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.